Hello and welcome to yet another anime podcast. This is who the hell do I think I am? I'm Ninzabor and I'm yet another anime podcast host. Hope everyone's doing well out there. Uh, we are about half, a little bit a week into November or so. Uh, it's a little bit later than I would wanted this episode to come out. But since it's arguably the most stacked season of anime since this podcast began, I definitely wanted to make sure I was able to get to everything that I possibly could. Um, I definitely was going to miss this one like I did last season. So I'm going to hop straight in just to talk about the 50 different anime uh, that are airing this season in one form or another. Sort of. Uh, I do have this episode broken up by categories, and the first one are actually shows I could not find a legal stream for, actually. Uh, Eternal Boys, which is the anime about middle-aged Id- male idols, and an Immoral Guild, or, fu- or Futoko no Guild, is an etchy dungeon-hopping harem isekai uh, from the studio behind Redo of Healer and High School DxD, so you know it's going to be pretty explicit. Um, I honestly was looking forward to Eternal Boys, you know, um, since, you know, the idea of, you know, male idols who are a little bit past the prime of, you know, the young like teenagers into young 20s is pretty interesting concept to think about um i I probably would have passed on the moral guild though i would probably keep an eye out for any gifs posted on reddit in the discussion threads there but i could not find legal streams for those two uh, there are also a couple of anime as of the title of, as at the time of recording I haven't quite uh, been able to catch yet uh, mostly because they're coming out later in the season uh, Can Call of Season 2 is coming out the day after I write this um, or, or, or came out has already come out but I haven't had a chance to watch it yet since I was uh, writing this uh, and then uh, didn't have time to record it in time and then Supernatural Slice of Life Donghua All Saints Street which has actually already come out on Bilibili but it's getting its Japanese dub it's going to be coming to Crunchyroll November 11 so I'll probably update in future episodes uh, about those series as I watch them. Now, Can't Call It is a sequel anime, seven years in the making, so frankly it's been a while since I've seen the first season, but there are a lot of, actually a lot of sequels this season, over 15 in total. Of course, a number of these are sequels I haven't seen the first season of that I probably won't be able to make time to watch for this season. Uh, these are Golden Kamori 4, Idolist 3 Part 2, uh, Mari, Mairi Masita Irumakun Season 3, Megatonku Mega Musashi Season 2, Peter Girl Season 2, which is a sword, actually sword was actually saw the first season of decided I wasn't really interested in watching more. Um, Reira no Didi Charat, uh, To Your Eternity Season 2, which is a bit of a surprise. Um, I know it's very claimed, but honestly, I found the first season very much centric on like the misery porn element of this, you know, supernatural being who kind of sees all his friends dies basically, dying basically. So I'm sure there's a payoff by the end of it, but I don't really feel like putting myself through it for another season. So I'm going to keep this one on the droplets for now. So maybe someone will convince me to come back and watch it later on. Uh, we also have Vazrock the Animation and Yormushi Pedal 5 as season, things I haven't watched the first season of. Now, there are a couple of shows I also haven't seen all every season for, but I do want to make time to try to watch them just because uh, based on what I know about those series. Of course, My Hero Academia Season 6 is going on. I kind of fell off halfway through Season 5 during the school the school test um, competition arc. Um, and, you know, I, I'm caught up with the entire manga at this point. And, you know, from what I know, the second half of Season 5 was the My Villain Academy arc. And this season is the Hero Raid arc, two of the best arcs in the whole season. So those are good motivations to try to catch up. Uh, Pop Team Epic Season 2 is one of the more experimental humor series out there. It's been on my plan to watch list for a long time, so now's a good a, a chance as any to try to watch the first season. Uh, Tiger and Bunny Season 2 Part 2, I watched the first se- season of. Haven't watched the second uh, the second uh, season Part 1 uh, that's, that's airing on Netflix right now, so good good reason to go catch up on Season 2. And then Yama no Susume, or Encouragement of Climb Season 4. Now this one I hadn't really heard of before, but it very much sounds like it's in the Eurocamp vein of cute girls 
was doing outdoor things, um, in this case, mountain hiking. The first season was in 2013, five-minute episodes. Second season and third season in 2014 and 18, respectively, were both 15-minute episodes. And now this fourth season are full-length episodes. Apparently, the first few episodes are actually going to be recapping the first few seasons, which is convenient since apparently the first three seasons are no longer available on Crunchyroll where they previously hosted. Um, I do want to watch uh, all, and now, now, now the fourth season is available on High Dive. I do want to go back to try to watch the first three seasons in full, though. Luckily, they were short episodes, um, though there are no legal means to do so. But once I'm able to find a way, I'll, I'll hop in there. Uh, to wrap up the sequels talk, uh, here there are three that I'm actually going to be uh, I'm currently up to date with, and we'll be keeping up with these second season or these few, these these additional seasons. Not much to talk about here, you know. If you haven't watched these season these, these anime, then you should probably go about, go back and watch season one. Um, otherwise, you know you you're probably already on it if you if you're interested in the season already. Uh, Mob Psycho 100 season three, you know the world's strongest psychic is back with his sexy Tumblr man mentor as well as his best buds in the Body Improvement Club. I've done an episode already on. The director Yuzuru Tachikawa before um, for Mob Psycho 100 and he's back with one of the best animated shows in the business. Seriously though, not only should you be watching Mob for the animation, you should also watch it for the life lessons to and motivation to improve yourself. Uh, Spy Family Season 2 is back after a very positive first season earlier this year. Uh, Ostania's best fake family is back where we left off with Lloyd, Yor, and Anya looking to add a fluffy new companion to their family in these first couple of episodes. For the best reaction faces in the medium and some heartfelt found family storytelling, I'll go ahead and watch the first 12 episodes and catch up here. Finally, we have Uzaki-chan Season 2. I honestly was kind of 50-50 on whether or not I was going to keep up with Uzaki-chan after the first season. It was the most tolerable of that recent trend of Kohai teasing senpai rom-coms, mostly because I think these two are college students, a little bit more self-aware and mature than their high school counterparts. That said, the need to maintain a status quo of will they or won't they had me ambivalent about the end of Season 1, with the second to last episode basically just being an, a, a tourism advertisement that was anime original. That said, a strong first uh, final episode uh, first episode of the second season showed off the other element of the series that really made this stand out for me. It's strong supporting cats who are kind of meta-aware and definitely uh, rooting for them to get together um, with slightly more exaggerated reactions than the audience might be, though not by much. I don't know if I'll be finishing up the entire second season, but I'll certainly have it on my list and watch it until I get bored of it uh, for now. So all the sequels I'm watching currently, there is one more, but I'm putting it in my sword anime category. Uh, Puri Puri Molkar 2 is the follow-up to the Feldcraft stop-motion anime that's arguably anime of the year last year, even over Attack on Titan. Uh, purely non-verbal, aside from some Molkar squeaking, here the season is subtitled Driving School, following some Mol the Molkars who, you know, where the last season was kind of, you know, episodic with, with random random uh, genre send-ups and whatnot. This seems to be going to be following a, a, a narrative as uh, Molkars and the first episode get into a traffic accident and they need to go to remedial driving lessons. So honestly, I could watch Molkars all day long. So this is definitely a keep for me. Uh, now, I, while I couldn't find a stream for Eternal Boys, Play It Cool Guys is available on Crunchyroll, and honestly, it's a vibe. It's in the CGDCT genre, but instead of cute girls doing cute things, it's cool guys doing clumsy things. Um, basically, these are some hot guys who, you know, they end up making mistakes, like, you know, uh, accidentally waving to somebody who uh, was waving at, you thought was waving at you, but actually was waving at the person behind you, or listening to your music uh, when you forget to have your headphones plugged in all the way so everyone can hear what you're listening to. Kind of relatable thing. But, you know, uh, despite not being as suave myself as these guys do to pull it off, it's kind of fun to just kind of see this little, this, these little humor vignettes. And it's a sword series, so again, not much investment. 
Now, there's a few news. A few seasons back, there was a sort about called something called like 180 seconds of ASMR or something like that. Didn't get the official release I could find, but in a similar vein, we have my life is my life after I became a dummy head mic one morning. Basically, you know, the people who do ASMR have these specific microphones that are safe that have like a microphone sort of like the human ear to better record, you know, the ASMR stuff going on. Um, and you know, this is following the ASMR club of two girls in in high school, middle school, um, and you know, there's it, a lot less ASMR stuff than than the other one, I believe. Um, not so not no need to pull out the fancy fancy headphones. Honestly, this one's more about uh, the reincarnated office worker turned into a microphone, uh, witnessing potential Yuri love between the actual uh, between the two classmates rather than actual ASMR. But hey, at only three minutes apiece, why not? So those are all the sorts and sequels. Next up, let's go to the full length series that I did watch, but ended up deciding to drop for one reason or another. Now, a lot of people thought this was an Isekai, but somehow I've gotten stronger when I improved my formulated skills. It's actually not, since it doesn't have the transfer to another world element. Just a straight-up fantasy. The premise is that there's a guy who's a hardcore farmer in a world where you can level up your skills to the point where he maxes out all his farming-related skills, and doing so supposedly unlocks a connection to the Earth Goddess, which gives him a massive boost to all his stats to the point where he can take down the flying dragon by throwing a carrot at it. An invasion of the demon army to this, his world he, he ends up repelling because he doesn't want the market where he sells his vegetables to be destroyed, he agrees to continue to help protect the kingdom uh, at the end of the first episode for the uh, at the behest of the king and princess um, in exchange for a massive plot of land to farm. Honestly, the biggest problem I had here was more so the mechanics of how he got uh, farming and how he got super strong. Telling us from the start that, you know, oh, he leveled, he got a massive stat boost because he made a connection with the earth goddess is kind of boring, right? Like, if they kind of kept that a little mystery, like, you know, he's just this farmer who, you know, he's really good at farming and, and then suddenly he says, they saw us, oh, the kind of like one punch man, this unassuming farmer somehow is able to take down a dragon because he's able to use a rake really well or whatever, right? Or use a scythe really well, right? Now that's really, that. now that's talk, that's with talking. Um, in spite of kind of like not hiding the mystery at all of how it happened. You know, it would be more funny, I think, than the comedy if he wasn't really self-aware of his own power. He just went about his farming business and then the monsters just happened to get caught up in his uh, in his sowing of the earth, right? Um, so yeah, you know, monsters just being a side result of him farming. Um, when you, I, when, now, when I can start pitching ideas on how your anime could be better or funnier, um, I think that's not a great sign, hence why I ended up dropping this one. Now, from one RPG inspired world to an actual RPG, uh, we have an adaptation of the old school video game Legend of Mana the Teardrop Crystal. Now, as a rule of thumb, video game adaptations are a bit tricky to pull off, in my opinion. You know, generally, the story of a game is designed and written in a way to be experiential, right? You, as the main protagonist, um, have things happen to you and you react to them through your inputs uh, with the game, right? And how you interact with the game. Um, and the fact that, you know, instead of just having one thing happen straight after the another, you experience, you know, going through the dungeon, beating up enemies leveling up you get to feel that sense of accomplishment of things you know of, of, of your protagonist getting stronger now you know what works is a hook to get you into the first dungeon um and what works as the hook to get you into the first one in the game comes up a bit cheesy if it kind of just happens, right? Um, and troping in anime, and I think that's where this one lost me. You know, I, I perhaps if I had an affinity for the game, having if I played it in the past or something, and more connected to these characters, I might be more interested in seeing it. But for me, that's not the case. So you know, if you love Legend of Mana, definitely give this one a shot. Otherwise, uh, it's not it's not an anime for me. Next up is uh, what is marketed as a mystery, but really is a four-way comedy. So tell me if you've heard this one before. An alien commander, a runaway ninja, a psychic who can read female minds, and a boy are all classmates at an all-girl high school. Each of them wants to keep their identity secret from the others to protect their friendship. Uh, if so, that's 
Little Lights We Tell. In a sense, it's the kind of high school girl humor along the lines of, say, Asubi Asubase, uh, though without the same exaggerated animation style and the writing being a little bit more one note for each character, right? You know, a typical joke is that the ninja girl uh, fends off a would-be assassin, gets blood on her face. So he goes to the bathroom to clean it up, and the boy, who's only dressed up as a girl because his twin sister uh, wanted to go to his school instead of her, into, into this all-girls school, uh, and then the alien commander run into her. Uh, so he bluffs that, oh yeah, it's the time of the month, why she's all bloody, and the other two, being unfamiliar with human-female biology, say, oh yeah, it's, that's usually that bad for me as well, and the psychic kind of looks at them bewildered at it all. Uh, humor is really subjective, honestly, and you know I could see this kind of humor working for somebody, it just doesn't really work for me, unfortunately, so uh, I'm not going to be following up this one anymore. Next is one you've probably heard of before. Also, um, boy likes girl, girl uh, childhood friend does not like the Gyaru classmate. Gyaru classmate does not like boy. He likes the hot guy in class. Boy and Gyaru and childhood friend and hot girl, girl and hot guy are paired up respectively for a marriage simulation that's part of the school's curriculum. And in order to swap uh, partners and to get to their ideal partner, the boy and Gyaru need to act like a married couple so they can ask their respective crushes to swap. Okay, that last bit is probably unique to this story, but. Uh, more than a married couple, less than lovers, you still get the typical love story of starting out liking one girl and then falling in love with another girl after spending time with said second girl. I mean, I don't know for sure, but the writing is pretty clear on the wall. That's what this, that's what the end game is. Um, adding the, oh, look, for some contrived reason, we need to act like a couple even though we barely know each other uh, trope. And this one's pretty cliche, even if the hook is a bit unique. Also kind of suspension of the disbelief making. I mean, I get it in Japan. They need to push the youth to romance because of the declining birth rate. Um, they kind of like allude to that in the in the setup for this. But man, having guy and girl student pairs dorm together and be surveilled 24 hours uh, is uh, to practice being married is a little bit of a bridge too far for me to believe. Um, to its credit, it does have a pretty vibrant color color palette, but that's probably the only thing that really stands out stands out as a positive for me for me for this series. So going to be passing on married couples. Uh, last one I, I dropped being what well, after one episode was Princess of the Bibliophile. Um, the series starts off with the daughter of a duke being proposed to by the crown prince as a matter of convenience, right? She's an introvert um, who'd rather read books. He's the prince who constantly is being nagged uh, by his relatives about getting married. Plus, he has a huge library that she, that she can read from, so they end up getting engaged. A pretty straight sojo hook. Now, I couldn't tell you the second half of this episode uh, because, you know, it, it, it's, you know, sojo is a genre, genre that doesn't really stick in my brain for one, some reason. All I remember is that you know, she starts to realize maybe she does love the prince and it's kind of it's sad that, oh, it's just a fake fake relationship. And a lot of hot guys in the palace, uh, such as her guard or the prince's advisor. Um, honestly, if you like Sojo series, check this one out. Uh, but if you're like me and it's not really your thing, um, it's understandable if this would not be up your alley at all and you would pass on it. Alright, next up our anime that, you know, I'm not sure I'll finish, but, you know, not because they're low quality, but, you know, the release model may be a little bit weird, or maybe it's the episode count. I call these unique situational anime, which I really haven't done before, but, you know, it's kind of like a weird, kind of trying to be flexible situation here. So, uh, first up, we have Renai Flops, or Love Flops. Uh, the premise here is pretty bland, frankly, right? A guy on his way to school has five fateful encounters. Think running into a girl with toast in her mouth, uh, falling down an escalator onto a girl or something, you know. Uh, they are his new 
new teacher, a transfer student, and three exchange students, uh, two girls and a guy. They all are typical, oh no, I ran into you and fell, and fell into your boobs or, or saw your underwear hijinks. But surprisingly, by the end of the first episode, they're able to talk things out and square away all those misunderstandings, putting him on his path to form his own harem. Now, normally this would be a lazy, wish-fulfillment harem anime. I drop without a second thought. But one, it's an anime original, which is pretty rare, um, always intriguing to check out. And then two, it's by Studio Passione, who is most known for interspecies reviewers and have animation tops up to, uh, up to snuff. So definitely would 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 uh, quality-wise consider that. Uh, three, there are hints, as pointed out in the Reddit episode discussions, of some off-putting elements in the background that kind of hinder maybe more to this story than just being a straight-up harem, maybe something like a simulation or something like that. Um, you know, the screenplay is by Ryo Yatsumoto, who worked on Steins Gate Zero, so there may be some truth to that, you know. That said, this is a very packed season, so I don't really want to force myself to watch uh, the episodes weekly if these hypothetical situations don't pan out. Instead, I'm going to, like, rely on the Reddit Hive Mind to check in on the episode discussions to see if there's a big twist or reveal, and if so, I'll end up catching up then. Otherwise, this one will be dropped by the end of the season. Uh, so from one uh, romance harem anime to another romance comedy, we have Romantic Killer from Netflix. Uh, the first episode, honestly, wasn't that exciting to me, right? There's a girl who loves only three things in life, her cat, her chocolate, and her video games. Uh, she has no time for romance, but a magical being called Riri comes into her life to help with J Japan's declining birth rates. Ah, it's the rare era for sure, with two, two, at least two anime, if not more, this season pushing that. Uh, pushing her into romance by taking those things away and having her uh, run into hot Ikemen boys trying to fall in love. Now, taking away someone's things that bring them joy feels pretty cruel to me, especially the cat, um, which kind of soured me on the concept as a whole. Now, admittedly, the animation, despite the horde CG and the atomic games he's playing, has some moments, not not consistently, but some moments, when, especially when she's fighting with Riri, uh, for overtop energy presentation, which is a, you know, this is otherwise a hit or miss comedy, right? Like, you know, going back to things that annoyed me, Riri ends up being pretty annoying, right? Which maybe is the point of his character character, um, but you know, credit to Takahashi Rie, uh, who voices the main character here, she's pretty great. Um, in any case, I was pretty much set to just drop this after the first episode, but you know, given this is a Netflix anime, it actually all 12 episodes are out, uh, and people have actually binged all the episodes, and apparently the character development in the second half, um, given the short episode length, is pretty decent, um, has a pretty high score, I think over an 8.0 on Mal, which is pretty solid, so um, knowing that given the higher score range and that it seems to have good character development, um, I haven't quite dropped this one yet, I think it'll just take some time for me to find time to binge all the episodes to actually finish it to decide if I want uh, to, to continue on or not. Uh, from having all of its episodes out to not having enough out on Netflix, uh, Isekai Oji-san, or Uncle from Another World, uh, was an anime that started last season on Netflix, but due to production issues halfway through, could not finish the season. Um, for that, Luckily for them, they restarted broadcasting it as a fall anime from episode one, with the hope that, that they'll be able to finish the episode, the season properly uh, during, or the, yeah, as a, this fall anime season as opposed to the summer season. Uh, given the first few episodes I watched were pretty hilarious, I am hopeful they can pull it off and that production issues don't hurt it too much, but you know, I'll consider this one I'm watching for now until proven otherwise. Uh, moving on to the next four anime that have episode counts are a little bit weird from the typical, you know, one core season. Um, you know, these have some interesting episode language impact whether I'm going to be keeping up with them. Uh, first, Arknights, right? You know, this one adapts a story from the popular uh, tactical defense mobile game of the same name. Now, I know I mentioned that Legend of Mana as a as a video game adaptation usually aren't great anime, but for mobile games, that's a little bit of a, less of a concern uh, as long as they don't devolve into, hey, here's a character you can get uh, by spending money on gacha. Um, you know, it seems there's a 
decent narrative going on in Arc Knights, as well as pretty nice tactical action sequences. This one only has, I believe, eight episodes on Crunchyroll. It's going it's airing a month, uh, ep an, uh, episode a month. Um, what about uh, what? Uh, given that it started a month into the end of the season, it'll probably end around the same time as everything else. The shorter episode number does mean I'm more likely to finish it, even though it's to say a full length series um, in terms of of episode lengths. Um, so who knows? Maybe this is the one that gets me to install Arc Knights by the end of the season and see what the fuss is all about. Uh, for an even number sorter episode count, uh, a, a, a unique streaming service, we have Housing Complex C, which is a supposedly, um, what's it, a Lovecraftian horror anime running on HBO Max, as well as a, res as a result of being on uh, Adult Swim with co-production. Uh, as such, it actually only has its English dub available, so no sub, which is a bit unusual for me to watch as I usually watch sub anime. Um, I mean, as a horror anime go... I guess it's an okay setup, you know, only four episodes in its in its total episode length, um, which is already completed. You know, it could be along the lines of a sort of anime like Puri Puri Mobile Car, where you just kind of like are able to binge the whole thing in, you know, maybe like uh, two hours or so. Um, less total time invested, more more chance that I go for it. Why not? That said, horror isn't usually my jam, and the reviews on Mal aren't pretty kind, so perhaps not. I guess it depends if I can find time uh, later this season. Now, on the flip side, we have two anime that are confirmed that have four cores of episodes ahead, 46 for one, 53 for the other. Both of them are remakes of a much-beloved manga, uh, making a comeback in the Year of Our Lord 2022. Now, my main concern about whether or not I stick with these is that, uh, honestly, I'm, very, I'm usually not the kind to stick up with long-running anime uh, nowadays. You know, I, I definitely don't have, uh, you know, I think the, the closest might, might have been Sword Art Online, which was running for a long time with the Lilithization arc. Um, but, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, I kind of ended up dropping my Hero Academia for a little bit. I haven't watched every episode of One Piece. I just ended up dropping. Um, I ended up dropping, you know, Black Clover and so on. So yeah, I mean, this is a. We'll we'll see if I end up uh, sticking around. Uh, first one. This one hits close to home. We have Bleach: The Thousand Year Blood War, confirmed for 52 episodes and streaming here in the states on Hulu, which is another first. Though, um, given I only have uh, Hulu, I think doesn't have like an ad-free version really. Um, it's kind of interesting to go back and having ads in the middle of my anime. I mean, what is there to say about Bleach that hasn't? been said already, one of the long-running big three jump anime of the 2000s alongside Naruto and One Piece, which in a way are also running now. Uh, One Piece, obviously, but then Naruto also has Boruto. Um, anyway, Bleach infamously had a bunch of filler in its anime, never finished adapting the final arc of the manga, which itself was cut short by Tide Kubo due to not being able to wrap things up in time. That said, we're back with uh, everything uh, made Bleach great uh, with updated 2022 aesthetic, animation leaving Ichigo and the gang looking smoother than ever. I mean, even if I never watched the Bleach anime in full myself, from what I remember, you know, this is definitely a love letter. Uh, from what I remember of what I did see, this anime adaptation is a love letter back to the fans of, hey, Bleach has still got it. Um, I will probably keep up at least a few episodes, though being on Hulu again is a bit of a pain. That said, what I'm really hoping for is that by the end of the season, right, it ends up actually fleshing out the story that Kubo was not able to finish properly in manga form and have a more satisfying conclusion, which would be sufficient reason for me at least to stick around for a full year. The last of the unique situations in the anime is an even older classic refreshed anew, Yuvusei Yugatsura. Um, originally airing from 1981 through 1986 for 194 episodes, five years, uh, it adapts the uh, 1978 manga by Rumiko Takahashi that catapulted her to fame before working on Marmon One Half and Inuyasha later on. Now, I haven't seen the original anime, um, but you know I have seen what many would say the, uh, is the original waifu, the character Lum, that hot girl in a tiger bikini with, with green hair. The story is 
is definitely of a different time period, right? The main male protagonist, Ataru, is a womanizing, dirty-minded high school student and is randomly selected by an invading alien race to compete with Lum in a game of tag um, to you know, basically save the human race from invasion. Um, now, he's not able to catch her because he can fly and use electricity, but after getting motivated by his girlfriend, Sonobu, with the promise of merits, he ends up catching Lum, but after yelling, I can now get married in victory, Lum thinks he's proposing to her and falls to, and she falls in love with him. Um, so she uses her electricity to keep her Ataru faithful to her, try to stop him flirting with other girls, um, including his original girlfriend, Sonobu, which is interesting, a choice. Uh, presumably over the course of the series, other girls, be they aliens or supernatural, come into their lives, so she has a lot of work to do on that front. Now, this current advertisement is done by David Productions, who, if you know the work on Joseph's Bizarre Adventure and to a lesser degree Fire Force, you know that, you know, them adapting a beloved 80s anime to modern day is in good hands and has great animation to it, um, at least from a technical perspective. I think what this one may lose me is, aside from the episode count, um, unlike Bleach, I don't really have a prior investment in USA Yatsu's character, and on top of that, they don't really update the story for modern times, to my knowledge, right? I mean, looking at another update of an older comedy anime to modern era, uh, Osumatsu-san, right? They definitely, uh, you know, it definitely is of the older period, but they definitely readapted the, 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 the sex tuplets to fit a more modern era and comment on modern things. Here, USA Yatsura feels very much stuck in the past, aside from the animation technique, which I do admit, Lum looks really good in this first episode. Uh, jokes and story feel like it's from, you know, a couple decades, several decades ago, which, you know, makes it hard for me to want to stick for the full 46 episodes. Now, apparently there's real strong character development over the entire series, which, I mean, was, I'd hope to see a series of that long have character development, but I can't say for me whether or not it's worth me sticking around for or not. We'll see. I'll give it a few more episodes at least to hook me, but this one isn't looking promising. Still, I'm glad for fans of the series that it is getting a remake and some anime history is being brought back to the forefront, so um, I can't really fault this one uh, for its quality as opposed to just, you know, this being a stacked season I don't know if I have time. Uh, speaking of, you know, so one of those weird situations in the anime uh, for the season. So now, you know, there were the one and two core anime that I found something in the first episode at least interesting enough for me to give it at least two more episodes to episode three and decide if I'm going to keep it up with the season. Now, normally I try to group these by genre, uh, but since there were so many, I'm instead going to group these by priority from lowest to highest. So, you know, the ones that are low priority, i.e., you know, I'd like to give these three episodes, but if I end up not getting the three episodes, this is going to end up being dropped. Uh, those with mid priority, which are, I'm probably going to get the three episodes. I'm not sure. I'm still undecided either way if I'm going to keep it or not. Um, and then those with high priority, you know, those that are first in line for me to check out, I probably will end up keeping them. It's just that there may be a couple things about it that I just want to make sure pan out the way I hope it does before committing. Um, and then to wrap up this episode, we'll go to the five new anime I'm watching this season that are um, definitely going to be watching throughout the entire season. And frankly, any of those five could be anime of this season for me. Uh, starting with the low priority three episode little anime, frankly, I might never get to. Uh, first up, there's Beast Tamer, or more formally, the Beast Tamer who is exiled from his party meets a cat of the strongest race. Uh, this was a pseudo isekai, again, set in the fantasy world, uh, medieval world with RPG world building elements. There's no actual transfer from one world to another. Um, but the base premise is pretty much in the title, right? A beast tamer from the hero's party is fired from the party supposedly because he's useless in combat, uh, despite because he only does really support roles like scouting or carrying cargo. Um, shortly after, he coincidentally, of course, uh, meets a cat girl of the rarest pieces of cat girls uh, who tells him he's actually quite powerful for a beast tamer, something to do with how he can control so many different animals at once instead of just one, and can probably tame her, uh, which sounds, you know, taming a sentient being, uh, it sounds kind of questionable to 
me. Uh, motivations of these characters, and he, he does end up taming her, uh, which is interesting. Um, the motivations of these characters are kind of whatever for me, and the world isn't particularly interesting. It looks like based on the OP, we're going to end up getting a harem of monster girls, right? It looks like there's a dragon and fairies and a kitsune-type character. Um, honestly, reminds me of a combination of Banished from the Heroes Party, um, which I didn't finish, um, you know, obviously being the character being Banished from the Heroes Party, and then also Last Dungeon Boonies moving to the Sorter Village, which was mediocre at best, kind of about a, an OP... Um, an OP character who uh, doesn't realize he's OP. Add in the dash of that monster girl harem, um, and yeah, this this looks kind of like a combination of, of, of subpar things for my taste. The only thing I really want to see, which is why I haven't dropped it entirely, is the comeuppance, right, of the arrogant hero's party once they realize how crucial their support character was to their success. Um, but otherwise, you know, not really much here, so I'm going to give this one a low priority. Uh, next up, we have management of a novice alchemist. Uh, the premise here is that a young orphan girl decides to be an alchemist one day uh, to get enough money to start a store like her deceased parents. Uh, while at the academy, she gets a mentor who trains her in that first episode, and in that first episode, she ends up passing the exam, despite an error on the exam giver's part giving her the wrong ingredients, so she is forced to make a more complicated potion uh, than requested. Uh, from there, she ends up being gifted by her mentor, uh, a rundown alchemy store in the boonies, and the series goes on from there. Now, this one seems kind of in the line of like the hey I want to open a pharmacy and lead the relaxing life in the countryside um, so kind of that lazy slice of life anime um, and despite the, the early setbacks in her life um, but on the other hand it's not as though she's completely overpowered in terms of her skills she's just studied a lot which is kind of refreshing um, so but so there's not that there's no tension in whether or not she'll succeed or not it's just that you know there's not going to be much tension overall it's just not going to be a non-zero amount I think there are better relaxing cute girl animated seasons we'll get to later on in the episode so this was a lower priority for me Finally, we have Raven of the Inner Palace, which is probably close to mid-priority, um, comes down to more to genre preference, more so than quality. The premise here is that in an ancient Chinese or Chinese-inspired kingdom, after a coup of the Empress Dowager, uh, her estranged step stepson consults the uh, Raven Princess, a concubine who does not need to perform nighttime duties, but rather uses her magical powers to support uh, the Emperor and commune with spirits. He seeks her advice uh, to find evidence of the former Empress's wrongdoings so that he can root out corruption in his regime, rather than framing her for uh, some crime and executing her, which is the, the way she used to do things. Now, with the hint of romance here, you know, this one has things I'm not that interested in usually, you know, a slow burn court politics, Chinese royalty settings, a hint of romance. I think if you're anything, any of, uh, into any of those things, this would be up your alley, but it's not mine. That being said, I cannot deny that this is very well executed for what it tries to do. So that's why I haven't dropped it outright. So moving on to the mid-priority series, these are ones I'm probably going to get to in sec, though I'm not, again, I, I really truly am undecided about whether I'm going to keep these or not. Uh, first up, we have Blue Lock. Uh, this one looks like a sports series on the surface, right? Soccer player competes to take his game to the next level. However, this one is a bit of a different bent. You know, most series are about power friendship coming together to be, the, to be greater than the part than the the sum is greater than the part of the whole, right? Uh, learning to take a bunch of misfits and have them work together to achieve their goal. Now, this one is a uh, more Ayn Randian winner take all rejection of the power friendship and Nakama as 300 of Japan Japan's uh, high school strikers compete in the battle royale style facility to get that coveted spot. 
Uh, this one comes highly regarded from the manga readers. I can see why, right? It has an intensity about it and plays more like a Battle Zone and Tournament Arc series versus a, a more traditional sports series, right? I'm not sure if I totally buy the competitive element of it and if that makes for a better series over something like, say, Ao Asi, um, but I'm giving it three episodes to win me over, right? It comes from Studio 8-Bit, who's most known for the slime Isekai. The writing is from the screenwriter of Haikyuu, Erased, Osama Ranking, Fruits Basket, Ginnosaji, Balance Unlimited, many more, so it has some pedigree behind it. Um, Eminence of Shadow, uh, on the other hand, has an interesting first episode. Uh, this is basically a former child. There's basically a former child actress who uh, is kidnapped uh, and a no completely normal looking. Uh, oh, sorry. Back up. Uh, former child actress, high school girl, has a totally normal-looking and unremarkable classmate. Uh, she's kidnapped on her way home from a ransom, but is rescued by a mysterious masked individual who does his best kick-ass, and I'm talking about like the the uh, the Western superhero, real-life superhero movie. Um, he ends up beating the bad guys uh, with a crowbar. Uh, we, the audience, know that it's actually the classmate who has had a dream since childhood of being a hero, but not the flashy kind like, you know, All Might from My Hero Academia. He wants to be the one acting from the shadows, keeping the world in order against secret societies. Uh, he acknowledges his limits as uh, a being made of flesh and blood, which is exemplified by that after the end of the events of this first episode, he is pretty much straight up killed by Truck-kun and isekai into a world of magic. Now, based on the description, he actually becomes the eminence in shadow. Uh, he's always dreamed of, uh, though not, and, and, and but he, he, you know, pretends, oh yeah, I'm totally defending the world from secret societies, when he actually is, he just doesn't realize it. Um, I find it rather interesting how instead of trying to sell us on the isekai world in the first episode, Episode, we basically get a snapshot of his old world first. Pretty bold move, which I, I'm giving it points for. Now, the last bit of the first episode suggests that we're going to get a harem full of female operatives working underneath him, of course, so who knows exactly how varied from a, the typical isekai format it will end up being, but that's why I need more episodes to figure this out. Uh, next up, we have The Crazy Human University, or Human Bug Daigaku. Pretty odd series. I didn't expect to see this on the top half of the of this half of the list for the season. Uh, first off, visually, it's a rather limited form of animation, basically being like cut out paper puppets on a two D plane, moving back and forth, moving their mouths. But it's not a typical three D, you know, not, not a typical anime in space uh, story. Now, however, realizing this comes from the same studio as Bookseller Honda-san, I'm not surprised though. Frankly, they don't really have much else of note, which is a point against them. Uh, in any case, the premise is that the main protagonist Hirofumi is a death row inmate sentenced to death. Uh, for the for murdering his uh, wife and best friend who allegedly were having an affair uh, and had and then burning down the house, which you know hints at something suspicious going on. Um, his sentence comes to pass. He's killed by death by hanging, but ends up waking afterwards. Uh, no, he's not in the afterlife. He actually survived his hanging for by some odd reason, which is explained in the first episode. It's a bit of a mystery um, that kind of explains it how. Um, but he's in the care of this professor um, who explains that there are other cases of humans surviving death sentences in the past, and they are considered like bugs in the system of humanity. Uh, the professor is part of a university that studies these crazy experiences in oddball humans, hence the title Crazy Human University. Now, despite the limited animation style and the somewhat roundabout premise, um, I actually see some promise here, right? First, this was interesting from an educational sense, right? I honestly hadn't, I, I haven't verified the stories they presented themselves, but why would they go into so much detail, right? So pointing me to things I didn't know is a point in its favor. I also don't know what other episodes we'll be covering. Uh, if they're all humans who survived, that this could get boring very quickly, but if they're other, you know, kind of like the weird, you know, glitches in the Matrix type quirks of humanity, that would be pretty interesting to follow along. Um, but again, that's why I need more episodes to figure out. I could see this one flaming out quickly, especially with limited animation style, but other, on the other side, this could continue to surprise me even further. 
Now, I'm the villainous, so I'm him the final boss is a continuation of the recent trend of otome game Isekai, in which in which case, uh, in this case, the villainous uh, female mobile protagonist uh, is comes to realize he is in the game uh, as the very events of the game, i.e. her fiance choosing uh, the uh, main protagonist of the otome game over her, um, uh, comes to pass. Uh, in an effort using her newfound information to avoid the bad ending, which from her perspective is bad because he ends up getting killed in the crossfire of the demon lord awakening and invading the school, uh, she sets out to seduce uh, somewhat wholesomely uh, and, ma and marry the demon lord, which happens to be her fiance's ex fiance's uh, half brother. Uh Pretty complicated. Uh, obviously, Otome anime are going to be uh, compared against the most prominent one in the genre, namely All Roots Lead to Doom, aka Hamifura. Uh, in this case, both are comedy, but I think this one is a little bit more focused on the romance element, uh, as opposed to the comedy element of Hamifura, with uh, Bakarina being an unwitting harem protagonist. I don't really have a strong sense of what the protagonist uh, in uh, I'm the so I'm, I'm the villainous, so I'm taming the final boss is really like. Her past self doesn't really feature at all. Her personality that doesn't really change upon the realization. So. Um, you know, I think this one comes down to seeing uh, how the romance elements of the or the demon lord uh, progresses and how that fits into the broader plot of the Otome game in general. Uh, plus, there are side characters. Uh, you know, most good Otome games, uh, isekai and, and romance series, will have uh, side characters to round out the cast beyond the main two, which this one looks like it might have. So, we're going to get a few more episodes uh, to be able to evaluate all of this. Uh, now, if you remember my uh, Sonen Jump episode a while back, I talked about my new favorite series, Akane Banasi, which is a series about Rakugo. Uh, that's a big reason why I'm interested in My Master Has No Tail, to be frank. Uh, here, the story revolves a young, about a young Tanuki who wants to live in the city uh, to be able to prank a lot of humans. Uh, however, as humans advance technologically, this is set in the early 1900s, um, Tanuki's tricks uh, are less and less effective. Uh, she does, however, happen across a Rakugo hall, hall and is entranced by the story being told by the performer, who is implied to actually secretly be a Kitsune. Um, and the reason uh, she considered it to be a, a prank, right, is because uh, if you're able to tell stories so convincingly that you can you can believe you're actually there, um, that's a form of a prank itself, you see. So she asked the performer to take her on as an apprentice. Um, now, again, this one is mostly fueled by my current interest in Rakugo based off of uh, Akane Banasi, but it's more than just that, right? Like, the comedy is pretty decent, right? There's a whole gag in here where she's being chased by humans to the top of the tower, jumps off the tower unfazed because, hey, Tanuki can expand those scrotum uh, to fly Pompoko style. Except she's a girl and doesn't have a scrotum. Oops. Uh, anyway, I wasn't expecting this, but I would totally be willing to see more gags along this line. Um, I wouldn't call it the most technically savvy series, but the segments of Rakugo where the art style changes to a more painterly style are pretty effective, and the character writing is likable enough so far. So we'll see if they can sign like a diamond in the rough like she hopes to be with her Rakugo. Uh, the final series in this mid-tier category is Shinobi no Itoki. Now, I'm, my, my, my nickname is Ninja Boy, so of course I have to give this ninja series a shot. Uh, basically, it follows modern-day high school student Itoki, who has a pretty strict upbringing, right? On top of being a student, he apparently needs to go to cram school and gymnastics and who knows what other activities uh, with his childhood friend Kosetsu, making sure he doesn't skip at the insistence of his mother. Uh, he gets confessed to by a girl in his class, uh, and, and you know they start dating, which his mother disapproves of. He ends up sneaking off to her house for their first state, um, but suddenly is ambushed by assassins who are hiding under her bed, uh, only to be by, saved by Kusetsu and the workers at his mom's grocery store in modern ninja gear. Turns out he's the 19th heir to an ancient ninja clan, uh, hence all the preparation uh, of gymnastics and stuff, and the girl confessing to him was a setup to be uh, assassinated uh, assassinate him by a rival clan. So yeah, uh, the action is pretty decent enough. I'm willing to give it, this, any ninja anime a chance. That said, I don't really have a sense of a pass out of how the plot's going to stick out, if it's going to be 
too serious or too silly or whatnot, and if the character development will be satisfying enough. So uh, definitely need to give this a little bit more to, to hook me in. Uh, the last anime I'm giving three episodes of is the best of the bunch, hence why I'm taking it like a high tier. Uh, reincarnated as a sword is pretty much what it sounds like, right? A truck-coon victim is reincarnated as a magical sword in the fantasy world of all things instead of an actual human. Uh, much like Rimuru or Kumiko, i.e. other non-human Isekai series protagonists, he goes about increasing his skills and stats by killing monsters nearby and absorbing their powers uh, with the goal of becoming a useful sword for his future wielder. Um, the world seems to have a pretty detailed focus on the skills and the mechanics of leveling up and so on, which is something I appreciate in a good world-building anime. Um, he ends up helping a young cat girl slave friend free herself from her captors and uh and lead which leads to some highly ex excellently animated sword action sequences uh, to kill some monsters so uh points to him for freeing slaves uh, as opposed to uh, buying slaves in any case uh the sword who is named Ciso or teacher by fran uh looks like he's going to be taking on a father-like role in her life as he looks to get stronger as and evolve as a cat girl, cat girl something no one in her race has done before it uh, looks to be a pretty wholesome story with a you know that pseudo father-daughter relationship Relationship, um, which is I'm always a sucker for, and starting on the right foot with regards to the slaves. So, and again, the decent world building in the RPG world, um, you know, for an isekai, those are my favorite elements um, from some of my Spider-Man slime isekai. So, you know, despite their other flaws, I think this is one I'm going to be interested in. In fact, the director, uh, Ishihara Shinji, is the director of another better than expected isekai of late, uh, Tsukimichi, as well as Log Horizon, which is one of my favorite isekai of all time. And so, all the more reason to give this one a shot, uh, on top of it being from the studio that uh, animated. Tsukimitsi as well as Maho no Tabitabi C2C. So looking forward to see how this one goes. Uh, finally, we have the anime, which I'm calling a potential top anime of the season and planning on watching all episodes this season. I will be doing these in order of my analytic scores from the lowest to the highest. First up, we have Do It Yourself, which is a cute girls doing cute things club anime from Pine Jam, directed by Kazuhiro Yoneda, director of Akatsuki Yoyona, Gleipnir, and Kagaki Soju, the last two of which were also Pine Jam anime. The premise here is that in a quasi-futuristic world, two uh, childhood friend neighbors uh, have gradually grown apart uh, and they go to adjacent schools. One, the more futuristic high-tech vocational school, the other, the more low-tech safety school. Uh, the safety school girl is kind of a ditz uh, and klutzy, but one day happens upon a senpai who's really good with her hands and wants to start a DIY crafts club, making furniture and the like. Um, in typical cute girl club anime, they're going to recruit other girls uh, in a relatively relaxing, semi-educational deep dive into one specific hobby, which I'm just all about that. I think you, you, Eurocamp or uh, Fishing Girls anime. Uh, the pastel palette and clean, clean thin line work on the characters, plus the decent, uh, plus the detailed backgrounds, uh, help a lot with the aesthetic of the show being super relaxing. It's like catnip for me. That said, if you've ever put together IKEA furniture and gone that's into satisfaction of putting together something with your own hands, you can definitely see uh, something gratifying about seeing furniture put together well. Uh, currently, this one is at 7.55 on my anime list. Next up, we have Akiba Maid Wars, the newest PA Works original of the season after your boy Kong Min earlier this year, Aquatope last year, and adding to the lineup of Apari Ranman, Suribako, and many more. What looks to be uh, at first a show digging into the maid cafe culture of Akihabara in the early 90s has an undercurrent, uh, has uh, within the first five minutes a different undercurrent uh, of an inter-cafe inter gang, inter gang war. Uh, the, world, the word Meido in the Japanese title, Akiba Meido Senso, being a parody for the kanji of Underworld being pronounced like maid. 
At first, it looks like the young uh, Nagomi who has traveled to Akihabara is going to be a not-so-successful maid at a pig-themed maid cafe, but after being sent to a rival uh, cafe with her fellow newcomer that sparks up a gorgeously animated but also very bloody and very gory chase scene set to a musical number uh, by her co-worker uh, working back at the at the cafe, um, this bizarre juxtaposition is just, you know, I just have to see what this one ends. It feels very much almost like samurai flamenco in a kind of like weird, bizarre sense. So um, it's a it's a wild ride. I'm gonna definitely gonna be stay on with Akiba Maidbor, given you know the great animation and the, just the weird premise in general. Currently, uh, seven point five seven on my anime list. Next up, something I wouldn't call a completely new series, uh, but it's also you know not uh, it's also not a direct sequel to anything. Uh, part of a huge legacy of Gundam, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam: The Witch from Mercury. This one isn't uh, in the Universal Century timeline, so it's a little bit of an easier entry point, similar to Ironwood or Orphan, which I still need to finish. Uh, we did get a prologue episode, uh, episode last season, kind of setting up the world in general, so we can just kind of hop into the story here. Uh, basically, that world talk- talked about how you know essentially uh, there's this like paramilitary industrial. Uh, capitalist co- uh, uh, um, you know, um, organization that basically shut down production of this you know experimental form of Gundam uh, called Gun Arm, um, and then the main character uh, Suleta and her mother escaped um, in, in a gun arm. Uh, fast forward to this season, and we see her entering uh, an interplanetary school of technology as a pilot student. At the school, uh, the head of that political organization, um, you know, has set up a, a dual system where conflicts between students are uh, resolved by duels. Uh, kind of like similar to. Uh, food wars for Kinosoma. Uh, coincidentally, the title of top duelist at the school becomes uh, the fiancé of the daughter of said politician. Of course, Suleta wins, uh, beating the, the, the school's uh, t- her current fiancé in the first episode, so cue potential Yuri romance. Now, that's kind of like what draws a lot of people in, frankly, uh, especially with the most uh, prominent female Gundam protagonist in a while, if not the first ever. I'm not caught on my Gundam lore. But other than that, I think it has all the gun- hallmarks of a great Gundam series, kind of like a background commentary on war, capitalism, political thriller, 2D Max, um, you know, um, wonderfully realized Space Age world, and oh yeah, did I mention the 2D Max? Um, you know, I love the, the 2D, Sunrise just can't miss with the 2D animation. I mean, I, I definitely can see myself going to build uh, some some models from this set, from this uh, series eventually. Admittedly, again, I still need to finish Iron-Blooded Orphans, but this one's already a ton of fun. I can't wait to keep up with. Uh, currently rated 8.00 on my anime list. Uh, swing back from the two serious uh, series, uh, we go back to the cute girls doing cute things uh, with modern day Kaon with Bochi the Rock from Cloverworks. Bochi uh, is the name of the introverted young girl who has trouble making new friends uh, in her middle school. She's inspired to take up the guitar after seeing an interview uh, on TV where a rock band member says band is where introverts can sign, and she hopes she can form a band and play at the school festival. Uh, eventually, she ends up graduating uh, from middle school without actually, uh, she gets really good at making covers on YouTube but not never actually plays at the school festival. Uh, and so in high school, she ends up trying, wanting to try again, but is again too sad to break the ice, even after bringing her guitar with her to school. Uh, fortunately for her, she is spotted by drummer Nijika, who needs a, dr- a guitarist for her band that plays at a club nearby. And so Boshi makes her debut, albeit imperfectly, because uh, playing, in your, uh, playing by yourself in your uh, closet is different than playing live with other band members, especially when she still signed hides in the box. It's still, it's the start of her musical journey, and hopefully, 
renewed her friendship with the band. Still only one episode in, but it's just so stinking cute and charming with the slight character designs allowing for more great comedic faces and also some smooth music playing animation. I'm a sucker for musical anime in general. I think it's one of the true benefits of the medium over manga after all. And while I haven't seen K-On, it's my understanding this one leans more to the music side of things than the cute girl side. So in a lot of ways, it's a lot like the ESCK anime of you can't even do yourself if a little bit more energetic with the uh, musical performances. So, um, and, and, and I, it's really gratifying to see those characters grow as individuals and reach those goals. So I guess that's part of the appeal of idol shows, perhaps, but though my penchant for music, uh, live music over idol music in real life is maybe why I lend toward, tend toward musical shows over idol shows in general. In any case, I, I can't wait to rock out with Bochi and the gang each week. Currently, this is rated at 8.48 on my anime list. Finally, we have The Big Kahuna, arguably the most hyped and anticipated anime of all time uh, based on a manga adaptation, uh, Chainsaw Man. Now, adapting the hyper-popular and hyper-gory Shonen Jump series from the hyper-popular Studio Mappa, you know, there's, there's not much to say here that hasn't already been said. There's one anime you've already heard about this season. It's almost certainly a Chainsaw Man. I wouldn't go and go, I wouldn't go into the premise too much. You know, Denji's a down-on-his-luck down guy who's working off to pay his dad's debt to the mafia, working with the ever-cute chainsaw demon uh, Puchita. They're killed by other demons. Puchita saves his life by fusing with him and turning into the Chainsaw Man. And he's recruited by uh, Makuma of the public, Division of Public Safety uh, to kill other demons. Now, even without the hype, uh, if this were anime original, I think this would have been one of the highest rated anime of the season already. Animation looks great. The CG and, and hand-run stuff is blends well to, together. Strength of the source material and story and characters is just so compelling, even in just the first episode. And the creativity of the world leaves little to be desired. So, you know, the question is, did it live up to the hype? Um... I want to say no, but that's only because it was so massively overhyped. There's no way it could ever be everything for everyone. For me personally, I know I think it's a different medium and such, but I think there's something about the rawness of Fujimoto's paneling and original black and white drawings that just can't carry over to the manga adaptation. I also see in a couple of, of screenshots past the first episode that, that suggests there might be a little bit of censorship going on, but I'll have to see for myself. Honestly, it's a good excuse to go back and reread the manga. In any case, though, this is certainly the most popular anime of the season. Uh, many people's anime of the year probably with a massive 8.89 on my anime list, currently the 21st the twenty first highest rated anime of all time. But uh, we'll see how this takes out. I'm not going to just make any assumptions just based on the pedigree. In any case, that's all 50 anime from this season. Uh, to recap, I'm definitely watching eight shows, uh, three sequels, five new, and three sorts. I'm giving three episodes to ten series, and then there are weird circumstances uh, surrounding uh, seven other series. Um, I have to yet check out two series, and four sequel series I need to catch up on, hopefully. Um, I also ended up dropping and passing on about 16 series, either sequels I missed part one on, or just new series I didn't care for. So, uh, a super promising season to be sure. I could definitely see, uh, you know, right now it looks like eight. I could probably go up to 10 maybe even 12 I'll, i don't know well hopefully i'm able to make time for this all but um yeah let me know what anime are you most interested in watching from this season did chainsaw man live up to your hype uh what are your favorite cute girl doing cute things animated season which ones have you dropped uh let me know on twitter at yet pod or via email yet another anime podcast at gmail.com i'm on my anime list which i just updated ninja boy 333 boy with an i well on all the major podcast services itunes spotify and google play make sure to subscribe and leave a review at the very least shared with another anime loving friend links to all that will be in the 
notes. Our intro and outro music provided by Suichi Sakagami at Tannis.com. Editing production by Ninja Boy Media. That's it for this episode. Uh, next time on yet another anime podcast, uh, we are going to be talking about anime movies. Uh, I'm going to be. Wa- I just watched the One Piece Red movie in theaters, and then I'm I'm scheduling this out so that uh, hopefully I'll be able to catch a couple more movies in theaters before that. I know the Eurocamp uh, movie is coming to Crunchyroll later this month. Um, also, side note, I'm actually going to be at Anime NYC. Uh, I believe next uh, in two weekends. Uh, are yeah, two weekends on the eighth. Uh, I, I have tickets for Saturday the nineteenth. Think about getting a ticket for the eighteenth as well. Uh, Turn around and, and film some cosplay. So um, you know, I don't think anyone's going to be going. Who knows me there? But hey, who knows? Um, I'm definitely going to be there to do a recap episode of Anime NYC as well. So, um, but until then, uh, we'll be watching some movies. We're going to go to Anime NYC, and until then, see you, Space Cowboy. Bang.